your hour of drive time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of Thrive Time. I want to welcome those of you visiting the program for the very first time. You have arrived at the right place at the right time and for the right reasons. By the way, I get asked all the time, where do you find Jay? Where do you? Uh, where can I find more of your content? And I probably should mention this more, so I will right now. <laughs> I can be found at the jmamie.com, thejmamie.com. That's my general site. You'll be able to learn more about me, my goodies, my books, my blogs, my vlogs. All of the uh, things I've got coming up and all the goodness I'm bringing to the world. You could also find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram. The J Mamie is the handle to find me. And of course, at the jmamietalkshow.com. You could track me down there and it'll give you access to all of my prior episodes. I keep getting text messages, I get LinkedIn messages and Facebook messages. So there you go. That's where you can track me. And by the way, I'm excited that people want to find out where I'm at because as we're entering now our third season, People are enjoying what we've been doing for the last three years on this radio broadcast. And I'm going to, we're going to continue to deliver value and goodness uh, as a return of your investment of time. And today's show is no different. I'm gearing today's conversation, my friends, to those that are pursuing some kind of entrepreneurial uh, experience. Maybe you are in a startup. Maybe you're looking to begin your own, uh, start your own business, write your own book. Possibly you have an existing business that's really not throttling where it needs to go and you are stuck and you are in idle and you're frustrated. Well, I'm calling today, this show today is going to be tackling the blind spots. And I mean the blind spots in business that can cause you to have a less than a wonderful experience in your pursuit of success in that business, right? There's just some blind spots that if you're in business, you're going to get stuck with, you're going to get hit with simply because you don't know. Hey, I've been in business now for 30 years. I've run a number of different businesses. I've learned the hard way on how to uh, now keep an eye out for these blind spots. But whether it's not understanding the sales cycle, getting frustrated with that, not knowing how to scale your sales efforts, or not knowing how to protect your name brand, your trademark, how to patent, how to copyright, all of these elements are important. You know, the funny thing about it, even if you get it right, if you own a business that charges fees, uh, uh, processes uh, fees rather, or or and obviously all businesses do, right? And if you're using uh, transactional uh, methods to to have people pay you, then there's things you need to know about that as well, so that you are not paying more in the fees uh, for charging someone for your service, right? So it, it's important to understand that if you're going to be in business, the, the agenda ultimately is to stay in business, continue to bring value, deliver value, find out what the marketplace is in need of, deliver solutions to those challenges, become creative and innovative in new ideas that can, can change the landscape of the demographic and the consumer experience. And along the way, Make money, obviously, and keep the money, obviously. And there are so many ways you can be derailed in your progress for, for growth and, and advancement if these areas and more than that are not tackled. We're going to do our best today to tackle three areas. We've got three subject matter experts that are going to be joining us to tackle three areas that I know as a business owner are very important to those that are growing a business or expanding a business or start a business, right? So one of our conversations today is going to be about the importance of trademarking and understanding the difference between having a trademark, uh, having a, a patent, and, and making sure that you are copywritten. Our attorney, our, our in-house attorney, I call him my in-house attorney, someone who I've been working with for a while, Larry Rosen. Uh, Thal will be joining us today. He's an intellectual property attorney, very successful. He's going to be joining us today to have a conversation about the things we can do to protect ourselves, protect our trademark, protect our patent. And if you don't have one, why that's important. And then we're going to have a conversation with the, the, the one of the most exciting persons. And then we're going to have a conversation with the founder and CEO of Noble 
partners, Alicia Lewis has struck out on her own after having a successful corporate career in sales, and now she's passionate about helping those in the fitness and hospitality world understand how to build out commercial teams and create the correct sales process and efforts to sustain growth in a very crowded industry, the fitness industry, the fitness and hospitality industry. And she's a pro at it. She's a subject matter expert. She's going to share with us how do you become identifiable in a crowded space and how do you create the proper sales systems in order to make sure that your business has success and becomes memorable in the marketplace. And then finally, someone who I believe has a, a what I call a, a silent but very necessary voice. And that is how do you avoid getting ripped off uh, in transaction fees? Alan Fiviash from Heartland is going to be joining us to have a conversation that every business owner needs to understand. If you are charging uh, for your service, and again, I most are, how do you keep the money that you are charging and not get ripped off in fees? It's a conversation that many owners of businesses have never had. It's time to have that conversation. We're going to have it on the Jay Mamie Talk Show today. So bring it in close, my friends. We're going to tackle these issues right after the break. Hey there, Grow Getter. Are you a new or aspiring entrepreneur who is tired of all the different messages that you're getting about how to grow your business? Or maybe you are a seasoned entrepreneur who has been experiencing burnout and not really sure where to go right now with your business. Well, my name is Carolee Moore, and I am the co-host of the Be More Mindful podcast, where we help you to shift your mindset so you can transform your business. If you want to learn more, visit us at www.bemoremindful.com. That is B. M-O-O-R-E, mindful.com. Hey guys, it's Sarah Jones from Cancer Support Community North Texas, where we believe in a continuum of care for everybody impacted by a cancer diagnosis. This means the patients and their friends and family too. All of our services are completely free. You can find us in Dallas, North Fort Worth, and Collin County. You can reach us at cancersupporttexas.org or give us a call at 214-345-8230. Don't forget to go to our website and check out the How to Help tab. That's where you can buy tickets to our third annual gala. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Attacking our conversation today with helpful, resourceful ways to protect your business. That's the topic of today's show, right? What are those blind spots that can derail the very best effort you're giving to an endeavor Well, one of those is your ability to make sure you protect your name, protect your trademark. And there's no shortage of things I've learned personally along the way that, uh, boy, I'm glad I was working with someone who taught me how to protect certain aspects of my business because it could have been catastrophic considering some of the experiences I've already had these last few years. But on the line, as I mentioned before, is Larry Rosenthal. He is an intellectual property attorney, one of the best in the Northeast. And full disclosure, he's the guy who does my stuff. So I couldn't think of anyone better to come on here and speak about why if you're a business owner, an author, an entrepreneur, or coach, anyone is bringing value to the marketplace, why your trademark is so important. And everything else we're going to hear from Larry that people make uh, as as mistakes, uh, unwilling mistakes, but they do make them because they don't don't know. Larry, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Hi, Jay. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. And it's great to be talking to you on your show. I've, we've known each other a couple of years now, and uh, this is a great, uh, great opportunity for both of us just to collaborate a little bit. Well, it's the reason why I wanted you on the show, Larry, because you've done great work not only for uh, for for me and our businesses, but you've also done uh, the same work for others. And uh, so I want to bring genuine people on the show who aren't just talking the talk, but they're walking the walk, and that's what you, you're doing, Larry. So, But before we dive into wisdom you're sharing with our audience today, I'd like for you to take it back a little bit, and let's catch up uh, our listeners with a little bit of your story. Sure. So it my venture into law and subsequently trademark law and, and patent law too, but we're going to focus on trademarks today, starts when I was a kid. So my dad was an attorney, not anything to I, with IP, uh, IP meaning intellectual property, but he did business law and specifically he worked a lot with small businesses. And what I remember was his great connection with his clients 
Our family would go to a restaurant, uh, most likely an ethnic restaurant of some sort, and the owner would come over to the table and start talking to us, see how we're doing, and then he'd have a deeper conversation with my dad, and then my dad would introduce the owner to the family and say, this is my client uh, and my friend, and, and I saw him interact with people that way, and it really, it really touched me. I really liked what he was doing. He was really helping these people with their businesses, with their livelihood. I was more into the math and sciences, so I didn't think about law that early in life. Mm-hmm. I went to engineering school. I went to Carnegie Mellon to, to get an engineering degree. Then I moved out west to California and started working in software at Apple for about five or six years. But while I was there, it, it dawned on me that, that I wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be because I did not work with the clients directly. I didn't touch their lives on this individual basis as my dad had done. So I decided to look for a new career that I could fulfill myself better in that way. And law was always at the top of that list. So I went to law school. And when I came out of law school, I thought I'm going to do the same kind of law my dad does. But with this engineering background, I really got pushed into, I don't want to say pushed, I want to say the opportunities were really good to get into patent law which is one of the types of intellectual property. So I got a a job with a very large law firm in New York City doing patent litigation. And that was a great experience, but a very tough lifestyle. So eventually I moved into what's, what's more of a boutique lifestyle, which is a small firm. Instead of 500 to 1,000 attorneys, we're talking about 20 to 30 attorneys or even smaller. And in those roles, in a role at a boutique firm, I was able to branch out. I was able to tickle my mind with more than just the patents, where I was involved with trademarks and copyrights and not just one or two things with those, but anything having to do with the trademark, from asserting or defending a trademark, from procuring a trademark for a client, for clearing a trademark for use for a client, uh, maybe just some simple agreements or licenses, anything that having to do with trademarks and same for patents and copyrights. Great experiences all around. Larry, that's quite the history and resume you have in the field. That's why you were a subject matter expert. You've been practicing since 2007. I know that. Um, but so let's, let's dive into it. There are critical mistakes that many business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches, anyone who's out there offering a service to the marketplace that they make when it comes to their uh, to their uh, intellectual property needs. Let's look at the three most common ones that you find that people are challenged with, which comes back down the road and bites them in the butt. Sure, Jay. So, One of the biggest problems that business owners, and not just new business owners, but it could be experienced business owners, is when they're choosing a new trademark, a name for their company, or a name for a product line or a service line, such as Hershey's company has Kit Kat, they have Reese's, they have some other lines of chocolate. So it's not just the name of the company, but the names of their different products, and those are all trademarks. So if they choose, if you're a company and you choose a trademark and you think it's the greatest name in the world, but somebody sues you for using it, it's not very helpful. It's going to get you in a lot of hot trouble. You have to start over again. Mm -hmm. Another, Another problem is if a company doesn't protect its trademark. So you have this great name and a great trademark and you don't protect it. Other entities will start using something similar, maybe taking business away from you maybe hurting your reputation. And then the third one is maintaining ownership of your trademark. Mm-hmm. If you if you lose the trademark or it becomes very weakened, it's not that much use to you. Larry, let me ask you something. We have listeners on our program that are seasoned entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs, and everybody in between, business owners, CEOs, and so on. I don't want to assume that everyone knows uh, what these, uh, what the lingo is. So, can you break down before we get into what the what can go terribly wrong if those issues you spoke of uh, aren't fixed, and of course how you've been man- managed, how you've managed to help those who have ran, who've uh, experienced those 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 difficulties. But let's just 
I hit the pause button first, and let's make sure that our audience understands the difference between patent, trademark, and copyright matters. Sure. So a, a trademark is an identifier that associates your name with your goods or services. So when, you, when you're buying something and you see the name, you see the trademark, you know the quality, you know where it comes from. A patent protects an invention, something that you've created that's, that's novel and not obvious, like a, a better mousetrap or a better way of doing something, and that protects you for 20 years, protect, pre preventing other people from recreating that product. And then a copyright is for, let's say, books or music. It protects those expressions of your ideas. What would you say is... The I mean, obviously, there's a number of things that can go wrong, but not, in your experience and what you've seen, not having the right patent, not having your your name or your logo trademarked, not having those copy uh, those those matters uh, copywritten. What could apart from losing business? What are some of the other negative repercussions of that? And how have you addressed some of these issues in the past? So that way, anyone who's challenged with the same scenario or wants to avoid a problem, now they know what to look for and hopefully have a chance to reach out to you and, and get some, uh, some of the similar solutions you provided for others. Well, as you, as you mentioned, is that you could lose business if you don't protect any of these types of intellectual property. And it's not just losing business, but it could also get you in hot, water with somebody else who claims you're infringing on their intellectual property if, if you're using it and maybe even unaware of the fact that you're using it. So back to these problems that I mentioned with trademark is the first one was that a, a business owner might not clear their trademark for use. What this means is that you're choosing a name, a trademark, a logo that another company is using already. And when I say using, I don't mean the exact same name, the exact same logo. It could be something very similar. And the term of art is confusingly similar. And it also needs to be for similar goods and services. In other words, if you have, uh, you've seen, everyone's seen a Dove chocolate bar and they've seen Dove soap. And those are two uses of the term Dove that coexist because you're not going to confuse the two. So when I say somebody else is using your trademark, it means something similar that is in association with similar goods and services. So when I do a clearance for a client, a client comes to me and says they have this greatest name, they've hired a branding agency, or they just thought of this great name that they love. And I, I dial it back a second for them and say, well, let's make sure we're clearing it. So I reach out to some companies that I know that have these databases of federal trademark registration, state trademark registrations, common law business use of names, business registries, domain names, social media, anywhere you can think of where a business name is being used. And they give me a list uh, of what they think could be in the stratosphere of being similar to the mark that the client wants to use. And then I take my trained eye and I look at that list and I whittle it down to one's that could be a problem. And I explain to the client where they stand, what the issues could be, and then help the client make an informed decision to proceed or not to proceed based on their risk tolerance. So recently I, I had a client who came to me for a, a, a new type of cyber art gallery or something like that. And they had this great name and, and I didn't do an in-depth search like I just mentioned, but mm -hmm. I did a little bit of a search and I found uh, a small gallery in one state that had the exact name, and it was just a conventional art gallery. And then I raised this to the to the client, and I and I said, and I recommended that they think a little bit harder about this because this can get in a lot of hot water. So they went, the, the client went back and talked to his business partners. It gave him pause, and that was enough for this instance where I thought maybe I'd lost the business because. Yeah, I hadn't heard from him a couple months, and then I talked him out of using this name he loved, and maybe he went somewhere else. But he called back in a couple months and said, Larry, thank you so much. While we were paused and doing something else, some other entity 
use this name and they got in hot water because they had to stop using their name. Little gallery that we, that you mentioned came after them Mm. and made them stop using it. So really you saved us a lot of money, saved us a lot of effort and a lot of getting excited and then disappointment. And it turned out they became a good client because uh, I helped them with their next name and we cleared one and they went ahead and uh, filed a registration, filed a trademark application for that new name. So that was a, that was a good example of where you really don't want to be using a mark that's not cleared. You know, that's a fabulous example because I can tell you that from having personal conversations with so many others uh, that are in business and entrepreneurs and, and, and so on, they overlook something as simple as making sure through a search that no one else is using either the same name or something close to it that can uh, find uh, that that other entity could certainly find that this individual is using the same name. And after so much hard work that this this new business um, is putting forth and money as well, that they have to stop and cease and desist what they're doing. I mean, that's a that's something that happened to a personal a friend of mine, and you and I had a chance to discuss that. Uh, These searches are so critical. Larry, in our last minute here, what advice would you give then to someone that is launching their business or maybe they're seasoned in their business, but they've never had a chance to do any of what you were referring to? What's the first and most important thing they need to do ASAP? If it's a business that's already been established and they've been using it for several years, the chance of someone coming out of the woodwork at that time is probably little. So the next step, I would say, is to obtain a federal registration for their trademark. This strengthens their trademark, gives them rights throughout the country, and at that point, they could stop other companies from from popping up because if that does, they could lose business, they mm-hmm. could get a bad reputation from somebody else that has a defective product or a bad service. So that's part of filing and then policing your trademark is what we call that. And then of course you have to maintain the ownership of your trademark through consistent use and renewing it with the United States Patent and Trademark Office every 10 years. And Larry, what's the website that people can track you down to get uh, more information and, and even a consultation with you? So the website for my firm uh, is a firm that I opened three years ago in the midst of COVID, meaning to spend more time with my family. And something I'd always wanted to do is have my own firm at some point. So it's at my name pretty much. It's just Rosenthal.law. It's no .com or anything like that. It's just www.rosenthal.law. Friends, Valuable resources like this, if you're anywhere near in the realm of entertaining entrepreneurship or you are one now, and that's a that's a broad scope entrepreneurship. You could be a coach. You could be an author. You might think, I'm not an entrepreneur. Well, yes, you are, and you've got something to protect. Uh, your intellectual property is worth protecting if if these ideas are ideas that you've generated and are and they're, they bring value to the marketplace, you've got to protect them. Lyra Rosenthal, we appreciate you being on a Jay Mamie Talk Show. Thank you so much, Jay. I appreciate being on the show. Folks, we'll be right back after the break. Hi, this is Jay Mamie. As a lifelong fitness enthusiast and professional bodybuilder, I know the importance of removing impurities and flushing out toxins to maintain a healthy colon and intestinal system. This is why I take and recommend Renew from First Fitness Nutrition. It also has helped me replenish my probiotics, which is necessary for a healthy gut. Learn more at healthyfriends.firstfitness.com. Friends, this is Jay Mamie, and I'm thrilled to announce that our merchandise site is now open for business. My inspirational quotes, encouragement words, and thought-provoking phrases can be printed on a number of very cool items to help you stay in thriving mode. Make sure to visit my website, thejmamie.com. Look for the store link. Check out the items. Once again, that'll be at thejmamie.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. In studio today, yet another fantastic resource that is available to you to understand how not to be blindsided if you are operating a business. Now, one of the challenges of startups 
among many of the challenges is they don't know how to scale their sales efforts, right? They want to grow more clients. They want to build more business. They want to have more outreach, but they, they don't have a system yet or operations in place that teaches them how to scale those uh, that sales effort. And so in studio today to help us with that is not only the founder and CEO, but someone who was doing it herself for Noble Partners, Alicia Lewis. Welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for having me. Well, it's an honor to have you here because I always appreciate people that are coming from a place where you were corporate, right? You were corporate at one time, did very yes. well there, high success there in a niche industry, the health uh, health industry, right? Um, and then you decided that there were things you didn't like, th things you felt that could be done better. Not only that, there were services and wisdom that you could bring to the community that could only be delivered in your way with your wisdom. And so you ventured on your own. Correct. Right? Correct. You took that entrepreneurial leap of faith, founded Noble Partners, and here we are. Here we are. Right. So let's get our audience up to speed with what inspired you to do that based on the success you already having in sales corporately. Absolutely, Jay. Great question. Um, so I had two lives. I worked corporate for Hyatt Hotel Corporation for right under 10 years and then for about eight years, worked for two different companies in the health and wellness space and really helped to build out and scale their their teams and build out their enterprise accounts. And really what I did was I took a look at what I really enjoyed doing and really, as you said, where are some holes? What do people need? And where are we today as as society and in the workforce? And I, I looked inwardly and I looked outwardly. Um, I'm part of a female private membership network called Chief. And we really talked extensively about full-time employees um, are becoming a little bit more of a way of the past. And a lot of people are looking for these niche individuals to really help with certain areas of their business. Marketing has been a very big um front runner in this and and sales is behind it and i really sat back and thought what am i good at what do i enjoy doing and that's how i founded noble partners mm -hmm. and sales i never thought i would say i was a sales professional cuz mm -hmm. i was like oh sleazy <laughs> sales people and here i am with a sales consultancy right yeah. well you know sometimes you don't really uh, see what's right around a corner right and here you are, right? The last thing you think you might have been done, what you would have done 20 years ago, 15, 10 years ago, is run your own sales consulting firm, and here you are. Exactly. Right? Now, it's not just a sales consulting firm. You are in the niche market of fitness, right? Yes, sir. Um, that's Well, first of all, it's not a niche market, a niche industry, right? Because obviously fitness is a huge industry. Um, but for the, the, the sales component of helping companies market their new products or maybe a new startup has a great new fitness and every day there's some new startup right with the new i mean i'm in fitness you're in fitness yes. right so i know what's out there i'm always checking out stuff that could be good for me to try but it's such a crowded space that it becomes very difficult for an independent or an individual company to sort of uh become memorable so how do, how do you do that in that niche fitness uh industry it can be very difficult mm -hmm. and I will say this, we are in a really good place um, where people are very focused on their fitness and their wellness mm -hmm. and their well-being. And so now is really the time where, as we've talked about, I'm very focused on the fitness space as well as hospitality and hotels and spas and health clubs are all looking for something to differentiate them, right? something to set them apart. And they're all looking at new technology. And there is so much new technology out there. And from my knowledge in the space and really understanding these professionals and what they're looking for is really how I can benefit and help a lot of these companies. Because you may have a product and it's not going to scale to Equinox Lifetime, Anytime mm -hmm. Fitness, and Massage mm -hmm. Envy. But you might have a product that's going to scale to Anytime Fitness, and they have over 4,000 locations, right. right? So it's really understanding what that is and where your market is. And that's something that I can really come in and help 
these companies that are either starting out international companies looking to break into the U.S. market or they've broken into the U.S. market and they just haven't done it. Let's talk about that for a second because yeah. that's a good point. So you have, let's say, uh, you've, you've got all sorts of franchise, you know, fitness and gyms mm -hmm. out there, right? Um, established ones. Some of them are good. Some of them are garbage, right? Some of them are, and I've been at the garbage ones. Uh, how does, uh, what is a new potential owner of a gym, let's say, right? In that, in that hosp in that fitness hospitality world, what do they need to start thinking about to differentiate themselves from those that are already at the party? And what have you found are what consumers are looking for that gyms and fitness uh, facilities and those uh, spas, right? Mm -hmm. That they need to start thinking about doing to attract clients. That's a great question, Jay. And it's a loaded is, question. It's a loaded one. I'm like, how many questions did you just ask me? Um, but that is a combination of very good questions because this is what a lot of gyms, spas, buyers have done on each side. Everyone's trying to be everything. Mm -hmm. Don't be everything. Be That's a good point. what you're focused to be, right? So if you're trying to be a high volume, low cost gym, look at Planet Fitness. Right. They have killed it because that's what they are, right? And their big motto is they are not their judgment free zone, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't want body scanners or technology that's going to show their member that they have a large body fat percentage and they mm -hmm. need to lose weight, right? So if I'm working for a body comp analyzer, I'm not going to say, let's go after Planet Fitness. That's really a waste of time, mm -hmm. right? And the problem is a lot of new startup companies or companies that are breaking into the U.S. market, they see Planet Fitness and they're like, look at how many locations they have. We've got to go after them, right? And that's a big mistake that they're making. So that's one aspect as well as when you're building out your gym or you're becoming a franchisee of any number of these boutique fitness, et cetera, focus on what they are marketing towards. If you look at Orange Theory, if you look at F45, if you look at Berries, they are marketing to different markets, mm -hmm. right? And you have to stay completely knowledgeable about those markets and make sure that you're customizing to them. You don't need to customize Orange Theory to the Berries member, right? They're a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Berries is a little bit tougher. I apologize to any Orange Theory members <laughs> out here, right? It, but it's a great concept. Mm -hmm. So it's really staying targeted to who your end buyer is, right? Who's coming in, right? And you don't have to be towards everyone. There is enough of the pie to go around, but that is what a lot of problems have come, especially out of the pandemic, shift over to the spa space. Everyone's like, I want the next best technology for my spa. Well, Massage Envy is very different than the Ritz-Carlton Dallas spa, Correct. right? Correct. Yeah. And your member and Whoever's coming in for a massage or for these services, it's a different demographic, a different income level, lots of different areas we have to consider that a lot of people have thrown out the door mm -hmm. to just have everything. You know, you said something real key there, two things. And this, this is the sign of a pro. Um, you said, number one, basically stay in your lane. Right now, that's that's uh, a wisdom that can be uh, you know practiced by any business. Mm -hmm. Right? Hey, stay in your lane. Just because someone else is doing something else, don't try to copy. Don't try to compare. Stay in your lane. Number one, and number two, know who you are marketing uh, towards. So who's your demographic? Who's your customer? What are their habits? What are their emotional um, disciplines? Exactly. Yeah, great point between orange and berry. That's a very good point, right? I work out at a gym. I the, the owners. Uh, well, I work out at Destination Dallas. Okay. And uh, the the owner, MJ, fantastic guy. He's been on the show. He's a founder of Gasp and part of uh, Better Bodies. And But he's uh, his business model is European, and he's trying to break into the U.S. market. But he says, Jay, our, our niche is the bodybuilder, right? It's the big, you know, muscle-building individual. We're not we're not a L.A. fitness, you know, model. And he's buying all of his equipment based on that. And correct. that is what's making him successful. That's correct. Absolutely. So let me ask you then, could you 
discuss with me then what are the critical missteps that startups are going to encounter, they often encounter when they're trying to scale their sales? Absolutely. So we really can piggyback off our last question and I'll focus a little bit more on where really where my clients are falling and that's more suppliers that are trying to sell into gyms, hotels and spas. Here are some of their missteps. Okay. They're trying to sell to everyone. Right. Don't sell to everyone. Where products are lying right now, you can sell something into a health club, you can sell something into a hotel spa, you can sell something into a weight loss center. You can sell stuff across many industries and many verticals. Make it successful in your primary one Mm. and then go step by step. Third one, a lot of these companies, they don't know whether to go direct, have a direct sales team or have distributors. There are pros and cons to everything, Mm -hmm. right? So it's really um, nailing down on your product. You need to have a good product. That's very important. Correct. You need to get in front of the right people and you need to spend your money wisely. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to spend money. Mm-hmm. And in the fitness and in the hospitality space, events is a way that you have to spend your money. You have to get in front of those key buyers. You have to get in front of some of those people that are going to validate what you're doing. So you have to have some capital up front to do that. And then with your sales team, you need them to focus on the mom and pop gyms that are going to buy instantly and keep the doors open. And then also have that top-down approach that you're focusing on these long-term buyers. But those are 18-month two-year sales cycles because that could be something that's more 500 units purchased, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I know I'm kind of, yeah. No, it does make sense. Let me ask, in our last minute here, you've got a lot going on. Clearly a subject matter expert. Um, But what would you say is the core driver behind your own personal efforts and and the overall trajectory of your company? Um, Where do you see it it going three, four, five years from now in the last minute? Perfect. Well, my driver is... Fitness wellness is one of my top passions. Um, I am so excited to see the innovation and technology out there. And it gets me excited to see what we have. Um, Mm -hmm. There's metabolic analysis. There's body composition. There's robotic massage coming, right? There's so much coming. And it's such a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. Trajectory of my company, I want to be really happy and I want to scale companies into this market that are going to make a difference with the world. And that's what I can say for my trajectory. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I can see that happening. I'm going to say one day, you know, Alicia Lewis was a guest on my show. (laughs) (laughs) She was here. She was here. She was here. Alicia Lewis, the CEO and the founder of Noble Partners. Appreciate help. Where can people find more information about you? Where can they go? Absolutely. I'm on LinkedIn, Alicia Lewis, Noble Partners. Uh, Also on Instagram, Alicia underscore DTX. Folks, we appreciate Alicia Lewis being on the show. We'll be right back after the break. Are your sales lagging? Are you frustrated with your ability to effectively communicate the goodness of your product or service? Could your income greatly benefit from you getting better at selling? Hi, this is Jay Mamie, the host of the Jay Mamie Talk Show and the curator of the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. I want you to know that there are answers on how you can get better at the skill of selling. Go to my course, the Thrive Sales Mastery Course. Get the answers you need so you can experience the results you want. Thrive Sales Mastery. Are you a busy founder or C-suite executive looking to optimize your productivity and leadership abilities? Your deep sleep could be the key. By improving your body's internal machinery without relying on coffee or sleeping pills, you can access new levels of performance, flow, and well-being. As a result, more free time with loved ones, you becoming a more effective leader, improve longevity, minimize disease risk, maximizing your impact in the world around you, and so much more. Check out thesleepconsultant.com today to learn more. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show with your host, Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Continuing our show today, our theme of how do you protect your business once you've got it up and running. So if you're a startup or if you're uh, already in motion or if you have seasoned business owner, all the efforts 
all the energy, all the time, all the commitment, all the money that you're pouring into the success of your business, another area that you have to protect is how do you keep mindful? How do you stay mindful of the P's and Q's? Those silent, subtle, underneath-the-radar operational costs that continue to chew away at your profit, right, at your money. So our third guest today that's going to bring so much value to this conversation is Alan Fiviash. I appreciate Alan. He's a relationship manager for Heartland. But much more than that, it's what he stands for is the reason why he is our business spotlight today as well. He helps businesses know their options, and that's important. He brings peace of mind by helping them figure out payment solutions where it is critical for them to understand that whole component of their business. So, Alan Fabish, Dynamic Guy Relationship Manager for Harvard, welcome to the Jay Nanny Talk Show. Thank you, Jay. Happy to be here. Alan, before we dive into what you do specifically for businesses not to be blindsided by unexpected fees and costs, uh, I'd like to first have our listeners learn a little bit about your story because you've got a passion for businesses. This is uh, why you're so successful at what you do. Yes, sir. I appreciate that, Jay. Um, you know, I just grew up in an environment where uh, playing baseball my whole life, and it was all really based on performance. And, you know, let's fast forward many years. Uh, I was in the medical industry doing really well. And uh, humbly speaking, I had uh, been number one in my vertical, received President's uh, Award, uh, they send you on a fancy trip, and it, it was just a wonderful thing for myself and my family. And and in November of 2022, I remember my wife asking me, you know, where where are we? Do we have a chance to go on the trip again for 2023? And I and I and I was third in the country, about 112 percent over quota. And I said, I think so. I said, I, I think I got the pipeline and and everything to uh, to be number one. And Two weeks later, on December 2nd, I received a phone call, and I was laid off. And really, it was just a lot of item expense. Um, I got to the point to where, um, really, I guess I banged out too many quotas and um, made too much money and brought in too much money. But uh, that particular company just took a whole group of us and X'd us out, um, and it had nothing to do with anything other than a lot of item expense, and it was kind of ironic when you come from an environment of performance is going to lead you to greater things, and uh, certainly didn't work out in that situation. So then what caused you, obviously now we know there was a reason for you to pivot, uh, but you dove right back into the arena of working with business owners. Why is that? Uh, obviously, you've got a passion for business owners. Uh, what what inspires you daily to pursue helping them? Absolutely. Uh, i got a lot of friends that own businesses. I uh, grew up in an environment uh, around my parents uh, and just uh, watched different things, different struggles. And so um, once I was pushed out of that corporate type of environment, it really just uh, resonated with me on what can happen. And mm -hmm. and at the same token, not only what can happen to an individual, but what can happen um, in businesses as environments change, economies change, whatever it is. So I dove back in looking for something to where I could uh, affect small businesses, um, you know, proprietary ships. Uh, it could be large businesses, but, you know, how to be open authentic, transparent with them, and uh, uh, really look at ways to uh, maybe save them money or save them time or, or some type of value-oriented resource that could benefit them. And, and, and that makes me feel good about me and, and what I do. You know, at the end of the day, you've got to see a bit about what you do, um, not only because it's, it's the right thing to do, but Ultimately, when you have an environment like you just mentioned, that your friends and family, uh, you know the struggle of a business owner. You know the challenges, the ups and downs uh, of being an entrepreneur. And as I said along the, the whole show, it doesn't do you any good to push through some of the, the difficult moments of building your business only to find that 
there are areas that you're not paying attention to that can blindside uh, you, in, in this case, in your profit uh, and in your bottom line, right? So that, that's right. But I, I, I know you were at Heartland. Uh, before we dive into a little bit more of the transactional ways that you help people, why Heartland, your relationship? Now, you could have got anywhere to do this, to help businesses. Why Heartland and why have you chosen them to be your point of contact when you meet with individual business owners? Well, when I, you know, and I wish I could say I found them, but you're right, Jay, they found me. I, I really received a call and some emails uh, via LinkedIn, and uh, they reached out to me, sat down, had a cup of coffee, and just really resonated with me. And we've all been on, you know, interviews somewhere in our career, right? We've spoke to somebody about, you know, working for someone else. And they really brought an entrepreneurial type of model to me to where you run your own business. And with that said, it, they what really resonated with me is they constantly spoke about uh, they wanted the representation of authenticity to customers, complete transparency, uh, complete openness, nothing hidden, anything whatsoever, and and the values that you know I grew up with. I try to represent things I've learned in business the last you know twenty, twenty five, thirty years. It just truly fit my value system and that's why I chose Harlem. You know, one of the things that I always tell people is that wherever you're going to plant your flag, you have to make sure that that flag that you're planting aligns with the soil that you're planting it in, right? Um, that's great. That's a good one. Yes. It, yeah, right? So uh, otherwise, one won't hold up the other. It just won't do it. And, and clearly, you've aligned yourself with a greater organization. Let's dive into, though, what I think is important for business owners to know, business owners that are transaction-based, most business owners are transaction-based, right? They charge. Um, what are the questions that business owners should be asking when they are, uh, in this case, using credit cards for payments? What should they be asking? That's great. I think they should learn exactly where every fee in a uh, – line item transaction list is going even if it's not so specific they have specific knowledge of at least of where the dollars are going and what that particular processor is charging so many times i'm just looking at transaction statements and and see a lot of fees and a lot of fees are made up or a lot of fees are tacked on and they really have no purpose and when i ask about them so many times the business owner doesn't even understand them or even know where they are. Um, and so that, that's something that really warms my heart because I want to help that particular person understand. And also if, if they can save a dollar, that's even more brilliant. But I certainly want them to understand where they're at, what exactly they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, and uh, move them forward in an environment in a situation that really benefits them. So you, you've talked about fees uh, and not being aware of them. Is that because the credit card companies, and, and obviously we're familiar with the typical credit card companies that are out there, and most people use the, the same brands, but lack of authenticity and transparency, how big a problem is that in the industry? It's uh, one of the things that drove me to get into the industry. Um, every day when I'm speaking to people, transaction statements are, are difficult to read or they don't know the specific rate of maybe what they're being charged or they don't understand the specific fees associated with why they're being charged what they're being charged. And... Um, the lack of authenticity and the lack of transparency is uh, massive and uh, it's concerning. And at the same token, though, there's a, there's a bright light because there's a lot of good ones out there. And uh, I'm just mm -hmm. trying to shed some light on that. You know, I had a friend of mine who ran a restaurant, a pretty successful restaurant. Uh, and this was about two years ago. And that, I'm not in the world that you're in, but I am in the world of speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs and coaching, as you know. 
so I, I am always in the front lines. And, and I was shocked when he was sharing with me that I guess he was paying attention finally. And he realized that the transactional costs and fees for the prior year in his restaurant tallied up to over $30,000, $30,000 in fees just because people were paying with their credit cards, obviously, and they had their meal, their drinks, or whatever. Uh, what, what kind of horror stories are you hearing in terms of the, these dollars that rest that not only restaurant owners, but any business uh, is overpaying? What do those numbers look like at the end of the day that's coming out of their pockets and their profits? It can be very concerning. Um, you know, I'm here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and uh, although I deal with people nationwide at times, um, recently I had a, uh, a veteran-owned business, a uh, nonprofit organization, um, and I walked in the door, and after having a discussion with them, um, we discovered they were exactly what you were talking about. They were being billed more than $20,000 in excess of fees and uh, things associated with uh, their credit card processing. And, that you know, that's kind of a rarity. It's usually not that extreme. It's usually uh, nickels and dimes and a few dollars associated with just finding additional ways to increase profit margins. And, you know, I, hey, I'm, I'm as entrepreneurial and as much of a business guy as the next guy. And, everybody should make a dollar and everybody should maintain a profit or we're going to not be in business. Right. But there's a fair and equitable way to do it. Um, it you not look into um, trying to make all your eggs in one basket and overcharge people. And I just think long-term that's a bad business model. And luckily for uh, this business, you know, we went in there, had several discussions with them, lined everything out, explained everything to them. They were amazed at uh, what was happening and uh, you know after uh, they really had an understanding we were able to set them up in a situation and and save them a lot of money in that particular case but uh, hopefully it's it's nothing extreme like that but it, it does happen Jay. Hmm. In, our, in our last minute uh, service right I, I understand in, in your industry there's a massive turnover of reps. And I've heard that from other businesses, again, who complain that their guy or gal signed them up and then they was, it was horrible. It was a nightmare trying to get service, trying to get their rep back on the phone, come back, uh, come back out and, and troubleshoot. How is that also in our final minute here? How is that also another problem? That is a huge issue, and that's something I usually ask. And it's not a set-up question or anything. I'm just trying to interview that customer and, and understand where they are. And, and I ask, you know, when's the last time you spoke to your rep or spoke to somebody? And, and I run into that every day. And, and so many times, Jay, they don't even know the name of the person or how long ago it was. And I think it's a, a business, all businesses, is built on relationships and trust. Well, Alan, that's why you are successful in what you do. You're on the JMB Talk Show because – I hear the buzz about the work that you're doing for the, the business community right here in Dallas and uh, having you on the program to shed light on areas where most business owners just are not knowledgeable enough is critical. We appreciate you being on the program and good luck with the rest of the, uh, the year. Folks, that wraps up another fantastic episode of Thrive Minded Content. We tackled the tough one today, how businesses are blindsided after all the hard work. Come back next Sunday for another hour of Thrive Minded.